0: Hello, and welcome to Confessions of a Grieving Mother by Emma's Footprints. Footprints. Over the next half hour, we are going to be climbing in the trenches of grief. Tracy and I will be bringing you stories to give you a real look on what families go through after they experience a pregnancy or infant loss. Our goal is to help educate, support, and break the stigma around this topic. We're going to laugh and cry as we remember our babies. This is going to be real, raw, and vulnerable. So get your boots on. It's going to be messy
1: hi good morning good morning and welcome to confessions of a grieving mother i am tracy emma's mom and i am julie gus's mom and today with us we have on the phone carol jacobson hi carol hello thanks for calling in this morning carol where are you exactly <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm hiding in my master bedroom closet
1: i've been like throwing around under the
0: bus if it wasn't covid carol would be sitting right next to right. us right oh yes but yes COVID makes
1: us do funny things like hide in our closets <laughs> from our children. I mean, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's real life. Got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, obviously you're on the podcast because you have a story and we're just going to jump right into that. Can you um, tell us about the the first time you found out you were pregnant? Okay.
2: So the first time... My husband and I had been trying to conceive for a year and a half, and it felt like it was never going to happen, and then um, one morning, I thought, oh, I think today I could take a test, and I did, and it was the faintest second pink line, and I was so excited, I didn't know what to do. I was like, should I, should I make a present for my husband to tell him, or should I just show him the test? Did you um, only take one test? I, at first, I only took one test, yes. Okay. And uh, I sent the picture to a friend in a text <laughs> message to confirm what I was seeing. So people other than my husband knew first, but... Sure. Because Oops, it's sorry, like Bill. if the line is so faint, it's <laughs> like, sorry, go Bill.
0: get another test or go get a different brand or go get a digital or go... <laughs> yeah.
2: And I had, I had several, and so later that day, I... I was like, Oh, I am gonna run at work. I ran across the street to the CVS and I bought a second test and I took another one at mm-hmm. work because I was like, I need to know. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately the line was even lighter than oh. in the morning, but that sometimes happens, you know? So yeah. I, I didn't know um, if that was good or bad, but that was <clears throat> um, in April of 2014. That was my first pregnancy. And um, unfortunately that line never really did get darker. And uh, at about six weeks, um, I started to miscarry, uh, and they told me they had like, uh, they call it a blighted ovum. So, uh, you know, all those medical terms, but basically baby was fertilized and never grew, uh, which is, or some people call it even chemical pregnancies, but that was the very first time. And after 18 months of waiting, I was like, Oh no, what if, what if I, what if I can't even keep a baby once I get one in me mm-hmm. and I just remember, I, mean, I had friends come for the weekend that weekend. It was, they didn't know, and I told them what was happening because I was so upset. And I remember one person said to me, at least, you know, you can get pregnant now. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, but I wanted to keep this one. Mm-hmm, right. <clears throat> so that was the very first time um, we called that baby, baby bean, um, and I keep it on my calendar every year. So. Mm-hmm. Still on there, April twenty fifth. I love that. Yeah.
0: So, so time wise, baby B would be how old? Um, Two thousand and seven this year. 2007,
1: 2007. Yeah, seven. seven, yeah, seven this year. Wow. Mm-hmm. What did that What did that look like um, in the days and weeks after that loss for you, um, and Bill?
2: So. I think it was, in the beginning, definitely, it was so much harder for me, because we were so early, and Bill didn't, he almost, you know, didn't have time to really process what I was feeling, because it was so short-lived, I mean, we found out, and then it was, I think I started miscarrying, but it was maybe, maybe six or seven days later, I feel like it might not have even been a full week, Mm -hmm. so I think it was like, he just got the news, and then it was like, never mind, and... He could sense how sad I was, and he drove me to my doctor's appointments. Unfortunately, I'm a negative blood type, so I had to get the Rogam shot and all of that, like, you know, insult to injury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I to get the shot. Um, so, for me, it was... I, I remember constant crying every night, cried myself to sleep, um, called my mom all the time. We were living in Virginia at the time, not here in Pennsylvania, and... Um, but I think, I think that was harder for him because it was hard to connect with such an early loss that he couldn't, you know, there was never a bump or a heartbeat to mm-hmm. hear or anything. Um, so I think that one was a little harder for me and a little more isolated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have... I have had a lot of friends who've had those early losses too so I definitely had people I was texting and a few people sent cards and flowers and things which was nice to have that group already. Yeah
1: for sure. I like I like that that I mean um, I don't know if you went to any formal things in Virginia but you, yeah that little community you already had to validate and, and love on you during that. I did not know that. Yes. Yeah okay so that happened Uh, baby Mm -hmm. bean and then you said eight when how long do you think it took for your heart to kind of say okay let's try this again." so
2: it was it was very immediate Um, we like I said I know obviously other people have much longer infertility struggles and much more difficult but I do I have PCOS and after, after we lost baby Bean, I said, I'm not waiting, I'm not waiting 18 more months because mm-hmm. now I really, I felt it. I felt the feeling of going to, I'm going to be a mom and I need a baby now. So we went to a fertility doctor, uh, did all the blood work, sonograms, the tests that they run. And basically they just diagnosed me with PCOS and they said, we, we could try some IUI if if that sounds good to you because we think that'll be enough and i said yes let's do it and then <clears throat> okay can you def- can- pcos
1: can you yes
2: what is that <laughs> that's polycystic ovarian syndrome so uh the symptoms can be really different for everybody but a lot of people have irregular periods they don't ovulate regularly um you can it can cause weight gain it can cause weird hair growth i only really just wasn't ovulating it was my main symptom so that's why for those first 18 months I didn't really know that that's what I had until we went to the doctor and he diagnosed it
1: okay did you feel so a, um, a little sense of okay this is what our struggle was and we can kind of get yeah, a handle it, on this
2: it helps because uh, once you know you know you can do your research and find out what can help mm-hmm. fix it mm-hmm. essentially so, um, my doctor did put me on metformin because I had some insulin resistance, which just helps with your sugar levels. And because all of that's hormone related, it can also then help you ovulate more regularly and all of that. So we started with that. And then a couple weeks later, we were set to do the blood work when my next cycle started to try to do the IUI cycle. Um, and it turned out I was pregnant. Oh, wow. So- so you didn't even do the IUI
0: I don't think I knew this
2: yes so I have discovered for my form of PCOS the best way to control it tends to be a healthier lifestyle so um, I was exercising every day after we lost baby bean and then they put me on the metformin and I was only on it for about a week before I would have conceived but the combination apparently helped me to ovulate and um, i was tracking my cycles diligently because of the PCOS and I was like, hey, I think this means I ovulated and I think this means I might be pregnant. So uh, I went ahead and took a test and it was positive.
1: Was the line a little bit darker this time?
2: Uh, so it was actually really light again. <laughs> uh, so, so much so that uh, I did put the test in a gift bag for Bill and I put a baby girl and a baby boy shirt on top of it and I was going to give it to him cause he was at work when I found out and the test was light enough and my doubt and fear were strong enough that I took it back out of the bag. I put it all away and I just waited for him to came home, come home and I handed him, just handed him the test because like, oh. right. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't let myself get excited. Yeah. So yeah, makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I uh, gave him the test and he was like, oh, is this real? And I was like, I guess, I guess it's real. <laughs> <And> <laughs> cancel that IUI. <laughs> yeah. All the things. And let's see what happens. So I called the fertility doctor and I'll forever be grateful that I was seeing them because they said, oh, OK, come in for blood work. And they checked my blood every other day and we saw that my my beta HCG levels were going up like they were supposed to and it gave me a little bit of peace Mm -hmm. every day i get the phone call and i would get nervous yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't answer it i always let it go to voicemail because i didn't want to be given bad news so then i would listen to the voicemail and it would be good news and i'd go for another test two days later and it would be good news um and i got to have a bunch of early sonograms and we heard heartbeat about the day that it would have started beating, the doctor said. So uh, I, I'm really glad that we had chosen that path because it definitely helped with the anxiety in the beginning for that pregnancy. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow.
0: That's, that's, that's really cool, though. That yeah, is. That's special. So, um, okay. We're pregnant, and when when is this exactly? So that was jul- late July
2: um, 2014. Okay. So, yeah. it was it was almost 3 months to the day um, that we had miscarried that we then found out again we were pregnant. So that one happened really fast for us, which is why I said maybe the metformin and the exercising yeah. was my cure all for PCOS. So
1: once okay, so once you are pregnant, does that affect a pregnancy like the PCOS or is that just the struggle with
2: getting pregnant? I think it's mostly a struggle with getting pregnant, okay. but um, my my body also seems to have issues with blood sugar during pregnancy, so being on the metformin um, can be helpful. Uh, so some fertility doctors will take you off metformin once you're pregnant, and some will leave you on it. It just depends on who you're seeing, but they do say that it can lower your risk of miscarriage to be on it because it does help regulate all of your hormones, mm. which obviously are super important for growing a baby.
1: Yeah. So how did, so I, yeah, that pregnancy, on how, how was that going along? Those uh, so first
2: weeks. it was going really well. Uh, like you said, we had early ultrasounds and we saw the baby where baby was supposed to be. We saw a heartbeat and then, uh, My fertility doctor was so kind to offer uh, to let me stay. He said typically with PCOS and not having to have done the IUI or anything else like IVF, he would release me to a regular OB immediately, basically. Uh, But he said, if you want to stay with us an extra week, I'll bring you in. I'll do a seven-week sonogram for you. And then if you want to start seeing your OB, you can do that. So I chose to stay with him and see the baby another time. Before we moved on. And then actually, the OB we chose was literally up a floor from the fertility doctor in the same building, which was actually connected to the hospital that we ended up delivering at. So it's all really convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything, like I said, looked good. The heart rate was good. The baby was the right size. It was exactly uh, as, as far along as I thought I was based on my tracking. And um, things went really well. We went into, like, the 12-week scan where they, you know, measure the neck and check for Down Syndrome and all of those things, and again, everything came back totally normal, low risk of any problems, and we were just trucking along.
0: So, overall, you had a a good pregnancy, and... Yes. Um, I say that. I I say that lightly.
2: (laughs) I was really sick. Um, Mm. I didn't actually, like, throw up every day sick, but... I could not eat almost anything. It all made me sick um, all day, every day. It wasn't morning or nighttime; it was at all all day. Mm-hmm. So, with that pregnancy, I ate a lot of pretzels and goldfish because just the basic salty carb was like the only thing that could settle my stomach. So, mm-hmm. but besides that, it was a really good pregnancy. Uh, I also have like a pre-existing high blood pressure issue that runs in my family. So we were like keeping our eye on that. And, um, it did have some spike issues, um, toward like starting around 16, 17 weeks. And at that point I started seeing a cardiologist and they ran a bunch of tests, but they still said everything was fine. They were just working on getting me a different medication to sustain my good, good pressure levels through the pregnancy. But in general yeah there, there were never any problems that anybody ever saw with the baby or with me that we knew of um, at first
1: anyway that's good so when when did things start when did you start noticing things were not going right
2: so at 20 weeks i had it was i think it was 20 on the dot i had my anatomy scan and everything was fine at that scan, except that the baby was really uncooperative. <laughs> I had, like, the longest anatomy scan ever. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get a picture of her heart, and she just was all finangled funny, and they couldn't. And they didn't say anything was wrong. They just said, we can't see it, so we want you to come back in a couple weeks, and we'll try again. Um, so I went back a couple weeks later, and they were able to get her her heart pictures then and again they they said everything looked fine but what I kind of found what I saw for myself after the fact was that at 20 weeks the baby's measurements were all right on track and when I went back at about 23 weeks for the second check the baby was actually behind almost a week and I found that this I found this out after the fact, nobody really said anything while I was pregnant about the baby size. So I guess no one Mm. else was concerned, but, um, I did personally for myself, when I looked at my own records, I did see that she seemed a little small. Um, but again, nobody said anything. So from there, um, I was having some more blood pressure fluctuations and some swelling in my legs, which I brought up to my doctor, but they said, you know, the swelling seems to be within normal levels for pregnancy. Um, you know, they encouraged me to do some walking and elevate my feet. And then at my 25th week appointment, it was right before Christmas, um, I ha- I thought that I was not feeling the baby move as much. And I wasn't completely concerned because I was still feeling movement and there were periods where I wouldn't feel as much. So I was trying not to be too worried, but I brought it specifically up to my doctor and I said, I really feel like, you know, I'm, as I'm progressing, I should be feeling more, not less. And I definitely think I'm feeling less movement. Um, and the doctor like took an extra fundal height measurement and he ran a bunch of blood work, um, checking for like preeclampsia and things since I do have the blood pressure issue and everything came back completely normal. And he said, you know, maybe baby flipped and is facing your back. So you can't feel the kicks as much, but everything seems fine. So uh, he approved me to go ahead and travel up to Pennsylvania, where up here, where we're from, because we were still in Virginia, like I said, uh, for Christmas. So I would say it was really that, that week I was like, it's something to me as, you know, as a mom, like a gut instinct said, something doesn't feel right, but the doctors couldn't put their fingers on it. So, we just continued about our holiday life, and we went. Uh, to hey, we're gonna her.
1: we're gonna take a break right there, mm-hmm. and then okay. we'll come back after the break um, to hear to hear more of Joanna's story. All right. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. If you would like more information on Emma's Footprints, please visit our website at emmasfootprints.com. com. To all of the families on their grief journey, we see you. We support you and we remember your babies. You are not alone.
0: We're back. Okay, Carol. Um, You had a motherly instinct. You thought something was wrong, but you didn't know what because doctors say everything was okay. Right. Um, And it was Christmas time, so
1: so we're packing packing up the car, going to travel on the PA.
2: Yep, it's a six-hour drive from, we lived just outside of D.C. when we were in Virginia, so it was a six-hour drive up and, uh, we did like all of our regular family celebrations, which involves my mom's extended family at her house on Christmas Eve. And we got to see everybody and people brought gifts for the baby and like handmade blankets and clothes. And then, um, Christmas, well, I should say on Christmas Eve, I always say this is one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten on, um, One of my lost mom friends, when I got pregnant the second time, sent me her Doppler so that I could check on the heartbeat. So Mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve, after everybody left my parents' house, we hung out in the living room with just my mom and my dad and my husband. And I found the baby's heartbeat, and we listened to it for a little while. And Mm -hmm. that that was the last time we would hear the heartbeat. And I was like, Christmas Eve, this is... The best gift I've ever gotten because I'll never forget that night um mm-hmm. but so we we were visiting and we were celebrating and the next day we went to my husband's family again visiting and celebrating and I and traveling back to Virginia and I couldn't remember if I had been feeling the baby move I was like I think so I'm pretty sure it felt the baby in the car on the way back down which was I can't remember what day of the week that was Friday, I think of that year. And so I spent most of, most of my day Saturday sitting and like drinking cold water or juice and like seeing if I could get the baby to move more. And I, I thought I felt, I thought I felt some things, but I wasn't sure. And I remember very vividly texting some of my friends who were also pregnant and also do around the same time as I was and saying, what's the longest you haven't felt your baby move and what do you do to get your baby to move? And like, you know, trying to process in my head, like, what is this normal? Is this okay? Is my baby okay? And on Sunday morning, um, the 28th of December, I called my husband at work and I said, I'm, we're going to go to the hospital today because I need to get checked out because I just don't think, I don't think this is right. And he came home from work and picked me up and we went to the hospital there in Virginia and um, checked in to triage and I was seeing a doctor from my practice but one I'd never seen before so it was it felt even more scary because I wasn't even familiar with the doctor and um, the nurses started looking for the heartbeat with you know the strappy Doppler they put around your belly and they couldn't find anything and I looked at Bill and I said I knew something was wrong like I can mm-hmm. I can still see it and it's you know it's been mm-hmm. six years and I like it's a perfect picture in my mind like I knew something was wrong and they wheeled us down the hall to a different room with just us and the doctor and they did a sonogram and she looked for a little while and she turned to us and she said I'm sorry there's no heartbeat mm-hmm. and obviously we were like crying and like, what, you know, what do you mean? What does this mean? Um, and she, she told us actually that there was no fluid around our baby and, um, which I, I still, I guess I don't really know what that means even today other than I know my water never broke. So things weren't functioning right. Basically that she, she was out of amniotic fluid. Um, and so the doctor said, she said, you know, I, I can give you choices here. You can stay right now. We, we have to induce you. You'll have to deliver. There will be pushing involved. I remember her specifically telling me you'll have to be pushing your baby. Um, and she said, or you can go home and, you know, take some time, call some family, and we can bring you back tomorrow morning and induce you then. So she, she gave us some time to be alone and uh, called my parents and... I, an, you know, another conversation, like it's totally ingrained in my brain. I, my mom picked mm-hmm. up the phone and I said, Hey, what are you doing? And she said they were going to get ready to go for a drive. And I said, Well, is dad with you? And she said, Yeah, why? And I said, there, The baby has no heartbeat. And we mm-hmm. repeated the exact words. She said, Oh, Carol. And then she said to my dad, The baby has no heartbeat. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> and um, we told them we could wait till the next day if if they could come be with us and my mom said of course we'll be there tonight and they dropped everything and drove down
1: to be with us that's awesome that's amazing
2: and my husband he works overnights so he had just done a shift and he was exhausted and I remember um we we ordered Uh, Taco Bell actually we ordered Taco Bell to eat (laughs) in our basement watching a Steelers football game because it was a Sunday and he fell asleep before my parents came and I remember like I crept up the stairs from the basement and I sat on the top step watching the Christmas lights on our tree while I waited for my parents and now every year the night before her birthday I sit and watch our our Christmas lights as tradition Mm, just spend time with her yes and uh so we keep saying her, but we actually didn't know she was a girl till she was born, which was the next the next day at 8.07 p.m. on December 29th. She was born um, about 12 hours of labor, um, and she was perfect and beautiful and only one pound, one ounce, which is very small. Uh, I was a day shy of 26 weeks when she was born, so uh, she should have been... As much as even like a pound bigger so in our our conversations after she was born with the doctors they they think that maybe it was preeclampsia but for whatever reason maybe because i already have high blood pressure my body wasn't showing signs of it for for their tests to be positive and all of that so it was essentially missed like a misdiagnosis so um that's what they think happened because my blood pressure was also really really high when we were in labor and they had to give me some special meds through an IV to control it Mm -hmm. um but yeah she was born 29th she was one pound one ounce and we held her and I have a special lullaby for all of my kids so I had one picked for her already and I sang it to her and um yeah we we all got to see her and hold her and spend, I think we spent just a couple, maybe a couple hours, but I don't remember exactly how long. Yeah, that's,
1: that time is usually really fuzzy. Did you have, wait, can you tell our followers what her name is? I was just going to ask about the name.
2: (laughs) Yes. So, well, so she was born and they took her, you know, I, however, ironically, whatever to the warming table where they usually take babies and she didn't need that, but they took her over away from me at first and I, I the doctor came back and I said I said she a boy or a girl well I said is the baby a boy or a girl <laughs> and he said oh I didn't know you didn't know let me let me go see for you and I remember the doctor went over so gently and sweetly and checked to see and came over and said it's a girl and we'd already had names picked out so she was Joanna Rose
1: oh.
2: which is after my, my mom her middle name is Joanne, and uh, my grandfather, uh, my maiden name is Rosenthal, and everybody called him Rosie, and we shared a birthday, so uh, it was a tribute to him to give her the middle name Rose. Oh, I, I love, love that. that.
1: So and your then, parents were there? My parents. They, was your mom in the, in the room with you,
2: or just Bill? Yep, the, bef- before, my mom and my dad and Bill were all there when she was born, and then we all took turns looking at her and holding her, and Saying the things that we wanted to say,
1: yeah, a lifetime of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, pictures? Did you get? So we a don't. Bunch of pictures? We
2: don't have pictures. Um, and I, I took my camera because I thought maybe I would take pictures, um, but nobody did. We it was like not, not top of mind, and unfortunately, um, we had. I I believe the nurse that we had that night had potentially never delivered a stillborn baby before. Um, Mm -hmm. so she was very nervous. Uh she actually didn't think that I would want to see the baby and my mom Mm -hmm. told her, She's been waiting so long for this baby. Like, wrap her up and give her to Carol. Yeah. Um, so so no one was really there to encourage pictures. None of us were thinking about that. But my dad took a couple of um me and Bill. I was in the bed and Bill's like got his head against mine and we're holding her and we have that picture you can't really see her but we know that she's there so we have a couple Mm -hmm. like that that I I really like
0: yeah I mean you don't think of those things no
1: I mean it's (laughs) like the last thing on your mind yeah you need somebody else to help walk you through that yeah so that was that was a hard end to that year it was and then through yeah
2: we did get two losses footprints and we do have some little keepsakes, like the hat she wore, too. But, but yeah, it was um, the 29th, so the the very end of the year, the worst ending, on top of, like you said, a loss already in April. And, um, like I said, she was named after my grandpa. We were really close. And the 30th is the anniversary of the day he passed away. So it's already kind of a sad Sad time, time for my family, and then now we've lost Joanna, too.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. That <laughs> is a lot. Um, and that affects uh, your heart every Christmas. Yeah. You know, your body, every December. Yeah, um, your heart and body knows what's coming. So um, we don't have that much time left, but you do have some rainbows. I do. After the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that look like? Um, getting your heart ready to try again and um, Uh, having having those successes afterwards i
2: felt after i i remember feeling after i handed joanna to the nurse as like our final pass off of this little baby to someone who wasn't us um, i felt my arms literally felt physically heavy and empty and like that sort of like after the miscarriage, I, I was like, I need to fill this now. Like she can't be replaced, but that doesn't mean I can't fill my arms with something. And Mm -hmm. I told Bill, like, as soon as we're allowed, I want to be trying again. And, uh, the, the urgency was there, but not enough to make me go to the fertility doctor again. I was afraid I was actually, um, I know like part of telling our stories is to break the stigma but i remember feeling ashamed to write an email to the fertility doctor and say what happened and say we need to come back like i was i didn't want to tell them so didn't we didn't go back uh for a long time we were just trying on our own i was still on the metformin uh and i hadn't gotten pregnant so the summer of 2015 I started training for my first five K and like I said, exercise <laughs> seems to be the key for me to ovulate. So um, I was training for that and I ran my I ran my first five K at the end of October and I did not know it but I was pregnant with my first rainbow baby that day. Oh. Uh, so I, I worked for a company in Virginia that was based in California. So I ran my five K. I went to a wedding that night, and then the next morning I flew to California, and that week I was feeling kind of funny, and I said to one of my coworkers, who who was a good friend and knew about Joanna and everything, I said, I kind of feel like I did right before I found out I was pregnant with her, like this weird little nausea, but not really enough to say it was anything, and she said, well, let's take a test, so... On October 29th, which was exactly 10 months since Joanna had died, mm-hmm. I took a pregnancy test and it was positive, and it was my little Rainbow Leo. Aww. Oh.
1: And you were in California yeah, when in you California. did that.
0: <laughs> and was the pink line light was or it? dark?
2: So again, it was really light, uh, because mostly because with PCOS, I'm tra- I tracked my cycles with temperature taking, so okay. I could see on my charts that it looked like I probably ovulated and then my temperature was still high, which is usually the indication of pregnancy. So, um, I was only like eight or nine days past ovulation, which is usually pretty, pretty much the earliest you can you know, get the positive test. So Mm -hmm. it was very light, but, uh, because I felt sort of similar to how I had with Joanna, I was hopeful that it was, it was a more viable pregnancy than my very first one. And, um, the funny thing about that was, I had finally called the fertility doctor back and I had an appointment the next week to review everything so I got the positive test and I called them and I said hey I have a positive test can we just run some blood work next week and check on this potential baby so I, we went in to we went into the doctor the next week and they ran my blood work and everything was positive and they were like yep you're definitely pregnant and again because I was seeing them I got to go every other day check those levels they were rising i got the early sonogram just like everything was the same as with joanna and i so it was amazing to have the reassurance but this time i knew you know there's no real reassurance like this right. this mm-hmm. may not go another day let alone 40 weeks so uh yeah that was but that was yeah. nice but uh with leo actually i literally had a textbook perfect pregnancy. Uh I had some morning, well I had more all day sickness with him also. Uh but like every scan was perfect. Every blood work I did was perfect. Uh, my sugars were fine when they checked me for gestational diabetes. Like my blood pressure was so level and perfect the whole time and it to, it's like just such a miracle pregnancy to me, to to have all the things that happened with Joanna and then have the next baby just literally there's nothing to worry about. textbook, yeah. <laughs> like, that's I was a gift. obviously worried, but... You know, For sure. I mean, we went to... I don't even... I, somewhere I probably have it listed out still, but um, I think I had... I think I had about 20 sonograms with, with Leo... I went wow. to the, the high-risk doctor every week from the point of my loss. So from, mm-hmm. we actually started at 24 weeks, but they did sonogram every week. They, they did a, a BPP with a biophysical profile of baby to check on all the health factors um, every two weeks. So like every other week we were getting full measurements and full, like, was baby practicing breathing and was the fluid the right amount? And it was so many doctor's appointments and so many sonograms, but I was grateful for it because, you know, mm-hmm. you get a sonogram and you feel good for a day. And then yeah. you already need another one to reassure you that things are OK. Uh, so yeah. Leo ended up being born at 38 weeks because my anxiety was getting worse toward the end. And I was like, I just need this baby here. Uh so my blood pressure started to creep, but it never got to how it was with Joanna. But the doctors agreed to let me go at 38 weeks
1: so that we would all feel
2: better, they said.
1: And he is a <laughs> handsome little four, four-year-old?
2: Yep, yeah, four no. and a half. So he was born on June 29th. So you're hearing a lot of times wow. here. Wow. So
0: 29 is yeah. a number. <laughs> he
2: is a... <laughs> he is on joanna's half birthday so he's born exactly 18 months
1: that's really cool yeah as a rainbow baby yeah. yeah and then you had little callie and then we had little callie so adorable little spitfire my
2: my little crazy <laughs> my little crazy kid um she crazy callie <laughs> yeah She just turned two in october and uh She's just... Please
0: don't tell me her birthday is October twenty Probably.
2: <laughs> so she's October second, but okay, oh. she is our little. She's a little miracle baby because, uh, I I say you know because because of Joanna and what we learned while I was pregnant with her and how how her pregnancy ended, and all of those things, Callie is here because of that. Because with Callie, I did have gestational diabetes, which as it turns out, I probably had with Joanna, but they didn't check me early like they did with Callie. They checked me at 15 weeks with Callie. So I knew at the very beginning, like watch your sugars, eat really carefully, do all these things. And we also noticed a direct correlation to when I wasn't eating safely and keeping my sugars in the right levels, my blood pressure would spike. So the whole time wow. Joanna I probably had diabetes and I probably was spiking my sugar and I was probably probably making some sort of a preeclampsia like thing happen inside of me and had no mm-hmm. idea. So our doctor mm-hmm. here, we moved back to Pennsylvania in twenty seventeen. And the new, the new doctors I saw up here test early for that. So we knew right away with Callie that I had gestational diabetes and I tracked all of my sugars and we were watching my blood pressure. And as it turned out, at 34 weeks, well, it wasn't quite 34 weeks, um, I started having super high blood pressure readings at home. And I called the doctor and they said, you know, go to the hospital. So it was actually on an anniversary trip. In the Finger Lakes in New York. I remember that. Yeah. They said, well, you could go to the hospital up there or come back to Erie. And I said, I'm smart enough to make the choice to come to Erie because of my history. So we drove all the way back to Erie. And they weren't sure what was wrong because, again, my preeclampsia tests kept coming back negative. And finally, a really amazing miracle doctor came in on Monday of that week, which was October 1st, and said... You have superimposed preeclampsia, which means you have it, but your body's used to your blood pressure being high, and we can't quite get your test to show that you have it. But we know that's hmm. what this is, and the recommendation for that is to deliver at 34 weeks, which is tomorrow. So, welcome wow. to the world. that know. happened so, your quickly. Bags, yes. <laughs> so I was already, yeah, I was already at the hospital for a few days, and they just booked me for a morning repeat C-section on the second, and then Callie was born, and she was five pounds and seven ounces, and she had a two-week NICU stay. But she is a healthy little thing, and we're just grateful for our little miracles, and grateful that we learned learned more about my health through Joanna, so that these guys could be here too.
0: Definitely. Mm.
1: What a roller coaster! Yeah,
0: that was that was quite a roller coaster from the very beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: You know, your whole pregnancy, your journeys, you know, through each pregnancy are, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like these babies are miracles Mm yeah. and, you know, especially us mamas that know that we don't get to the babies we haven't gotten to bring home or, you know, that past, um, after that. But, uh, I'm just so thankful that we've gotten to know you, Carol and
0: and, Joanna. I feel like I know Joanna, Actually, it was funny when I was like, what's her name? I already know. I'm like,
1: Joanna Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. It's, these babies just, they, they stick in our heart. They roll they off. Do. Their names roll off our they tongue. You know, they're part of yeah. our story. And little baby Bean, too. Yeah, you definitely. Know, so you're a little, you have a beautiful family. Thank you. And we're so thankful that you share them with us and mm-hmm. um, the work that you do for us and for Emma's. Yeah. So thanks for calling in, Carol. We love right. you, Carol. Yeah. Thanks, listeners, and tune in next week for a new episode.